This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Good morning. Everybody alive and well? How many of you glad you're here and uh, not in jail? Okay, six of you glad you're not in jail. All right, good. <clears throat> hey, I want to pray for you and... Um, you know, uh, a number of people this morning just they they've approached me just some needs that they have in their life and and uh, usually when when that happens when you just get one after another it's probably a an indication of probably more people that have some things that they're just kind of pressing on them that they need and and so uh, I just want us to come into faith together in prayer of agreement and uh, I I know this I know that we pray according to God's word. He hears and he answers our prayers. And it's not maybe and some, not, none of that. He, he hears and he answers our prayers. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you, right? He said in Mark eleven twenty four, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. 1 John five fourteen says, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. If he hears us, we know that we have those things that we desired of him. And so, boy, I, I like those promises right there. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. And so, uh, man, we got some good promises. We got a good God, and he gave us this mechanism of prayer so that we can pray and we can ask and we can believe him and he will answer, okay? So let me just pray for you. Y'all just join your faith with mine. And if you don't have a need, just put your faith out there for somebody else, right? If you do have a need, just agree with this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are a God who meets and satisfies every need in our life. You said in Psalm 23 that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not be in want. We shall not be in need. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And, Lord, I lift up all these needs that have come to me today. And, Lord, those who, who, who are in this place today and they have needs in their life, Lord, I lift it up to you. And Lord, we look to you and we look to your word. We look to your promise and we believe that we receive the needs met in Jesus' name. Father, where there needs to be finances, I thank you for finances. Where favor, where favor needs to abound, I thank you for favor. Where strength and encouragement and comfort needs to abound, I thank you for, for the strength, for the courage, the encouragement, the comfort. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We believe that it comes quickly. We, become, we believe that it comes in full force. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everybody said amen. 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 Now, you know, part of, uh, <clears throat> part of faith is acting like what you just prayed for is true. Right? So if you, if you believe that you receive, well, then there needs to be action to your faith. And so, you know, what is it? We've been talking about uh, living a life of faith. We've been talking about, you know, and living a life of faith means that you walk by faith, not by sight, not by what you feel. You, got, you have feelings and you definitely see things, but the things that you see and the things that you feel can change. They can change. And so when we're living by faith and we're walking by faith, it just means that we're acting on the Word of God. We're acting in accordance with the word, so maybe your maybe your your actions need to change, and so you know you're going to still have feelings, you're going to still have thoughts, thoughts are going to still come, but we just prayed, right? And we believe that we received, so now everything that comes out of our mouth, I believe that I received, 
When you got a negative thought come to your mind, you don't have to act on it. You don't have to speak. You say, I believe that I received when we prayed. I believe that God is supplying all of my needs. I believe that I'm being comforted now. I believe that great favor is, is, is going out for me right now, right? And so we just, we trust God. We believe God and we take our stand. Paul said, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness and holding up that shield of faith, right? And so we just, we just take our stand and we just don't move. We, we don't move. God, you know, we've looked at this over the last couple of weeks. God's not our problem, is he? God's not our problem. And uh, we, we, sometimes we have problems. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's us. But God's never our problem. He's on our side. He's on our side. He, he wants to help us. Amen. So everybody receiving, be a good receiver. Be a good receiver. God's not going to run out of blessings. I mean, you can receive a whole bunch of them. He's not going to run out. He's got plenty to go around. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to get into the Word today, and we're beginning a brand new series called Change Your World. And, of course, this is a, we do a series similar to this every, every year leading up to Easter. Easter is four weeks from today, and, and, you know, we always see more people get saved on that Sunday than we do any other Sunday. And, Man, and so I'm looking for it's the Super Bowl of, of you know of all Sundays, and so it's the big one. So we're gonna we're just we're gonna trust God for a lot of people to get saved, but you and I have a part to play in that. God's not gonna do it all; um, He'll do His part if we'll do our part. If we don't do our part, He has nothing else to do. So you know we just we uh, we'll do our part, and He'll do His part. So I, I just wanted to do this you know this three part series leading up to Easter Sunday called Change Your World. So let me just tell you a little story. There's this little kid. He walked across his yard one day, had his baseball cap on, had, a, you know, had his bat in his hand, had a glove and a ball, and, and he proudly announced to the whole world, he said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw the baseball up and he swung and he missed. He said, swing and a miss, strike one. And so he, you know, he repositioned himself and he, he threw the ball up again, swing and a miss, strike two. So the, the, the little guy, man, he just kind of positioned himself. He, he rested his bat on his leg, spit in his hand, rubbed his hands together, straightened his hat. Then he picked up his bat and he looked at his bat real good. He threw the ball up again, swung, he missed. Strike three. He goes, wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <clears throat> you know, every single person, every single person in here has a desire, has a need, a god a God-created need for significance in their life. We all want to do something significant with our life, and it begins when we're just little kids with a baseball bat and a baseball glove. We want to do something significant. I know when we were growing up, we lived on, we, we grew up playing golf, and so we would go to the golf course, and, and uh, you know, we'd, we'd get out there, and if you're by yourself, you kind of fantasize a little bit that you're, you know, you're Jack Nicholas or I don't know who it would be today. I don't, I don't look, watch much. You know, anyway, one of the young guys today. And, and man, you know, and you have this need for significance in your life. And, and we all have that. We all have this need for significance. We want to do something with our life that matters. There's not a person that's alive. There's not a person on the earth who's ever come on the earth that didn't want their life to matter. Everybody wants their life to matter. Everybody wants to make a difference. And, you know, the way we go about that might be different. It might be we might get off track a little bit. But everybody wants significance in our life. It's the greatest need that you and I have is the need to, be, to have a life of significance where you actually do something 
that matters. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how to change your world, how to change your world. And uh, most of us in here, we don't consider ourselves world changers. We consider ourselves, you know, salespeople, or we consider ourselves a teacher, or we consider ourselves students, or we consider ourselves engineers, or we consider ourselves, you know, a, a, a carpenter or mechanic or or, you know, a hundred other things, a nurse. We don't, we don't realize that we don't wake up every morning and say, Hey, I'm a world changer. I'm, I'm a, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. We don't, we don't think that we just think, Hey, you know, I'm a housewife. I'm, uh, you know, but not a world changer. You know, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called the son of God. Maybe you watched it. It's like a multi-part series on TV. And, uh, and I remember the part where, where Jesus came to, to Peter and, and Peter said, hey, he said, follow me. And Peter said, well, what, what are we going to do? What, you know, if I follow you, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. And really what Peter said, they took their cinematic liberty there, but really what Jesus said to Peter, he said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. In other words, follow me and I'm going to use you, Peter, to, to really rewrite other people's stories. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to use you to reach people in a very significant way, in a very eternal way. I'm going to use you, Peter. And here's the, here's the good news that Jesus has extended that same invitation to you and I. Follow me and I'll make you a fisherman. Not follow me and I'll make you a millionaire. Not follow me and I'll, and I'll make you the Nobel Peace Prize winner. Not follow me and I'll make you a great inventor. Not follow me and all these other things. He said, follow me and I'll, I'll use your life to do something eternally significant. I'll use your life to rewrite people's stories. I'll, I'll use your life to change the world. Now, how many of you, that, that sounds good. I mean, because you, you, you wake up and you're doing the same thing every day and you're going about, sometimes you get frustrated with the kids, you get frustrated with the house, and you get frustrated at the job, and you get frustrated with your co-workers, and you get frustrated. It's the same old thing, same old thing. You dread Mondays. Anybody here dread Mondays? Don't raise your hand. I did a sermon on that once. You should never dread a Monday. Why? Because Monday's an opportunity to reach somebody for Christ. Monday's an opportunity to be on mission for God right? You might be going to the same thing, but you say a lot of times it's just our mindset. We, we, we think the end all of end all is our job and the end all is paying the bills and the end all is paying the electric bill, the, you know, paying for the car and paying for the house. And, and if that's all life is, yeah, it's going to get pretty old pretty quick. But if you're, if you're on mission from God, if you're on mission and you're living with the mentality that, hey, I'm on mission. I've been sent by God. I'm, I'm part of God's plan. I'm part of his master plan to reach other people for Christ and really affect eternity. I'm part of God's plan. Well, then your life takes on a greater significance, right? It takes on something, it takes on something greater. So I want to talk to you about how to change your world, how to make a difference. You know what? As, as a church, we, you know, and, and I want to talk to you about how, how you and I can partner with Relate Church really to change the world. But here's the thing. As a church, churches can be uh, inwardly focused just like individuals can be inwardly focused. Anybody ever been inwardly focused before? You, you, you know that you are, you're talking about, you know, what I want, what I like, what I prefer, what I desire, where I want to go, what I want to eat, how I want it to be. We, we can become inwardly focused. 
But as a church, we're not to be inwardly focused. We're to be outwardly focused. Jesus didn't say, follow me, and I'll make you keepers of the aquarium. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Right? Jesus didn't say, follow me, and we can just maintain something really good. No, he said, follow me, and we can change the world. We can change the world. We can really reach the world if, we'll, if you'll follow me. So one way that you know that you and I are following Jesus is if, if, if in, in the wake of our life, in the wake of our church, we see people getting saved. If people aren't getting saved, we're not following too well. Is that right? He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So if we're, if we're following him, there ought to be people getting saved. And so as a church, you know, it's not my job, and it's not your job to make bad people good. It's our job to make dead people alive. Right? And that's the power of the gospel. It's not just making bad people good. It's taking dead people and making them alive, spiritually speaking. Right? We're, we're bringing life to them. And so I, I want to get into this. And uh, first of all, when you think about your world, your world you know, most of us in here, you'll never go beyond the borders of the United States. And so when you think of the world, well, I, you think I'll change my world. Does that mean I have to go to Africa? Does that mean I have to go to another country? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you have to go anywhere because you have a world right where you live. Your world consists of, I like to call it the five, your five circles of influence. They are your friends. Anybody got friends? This is yes, and this is there. We, we all have friends. And I'm not talking Facebook friends. I'm talking about real friends, real live friends, not made-up friends. So you get, you get friends, you have relatives. So your friends are the people you play with. Your, your relatives are the people that you have to be around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we were on vacation last week, and I was in the elevator with this family. And, and uh, when, when they got on the elevator, I could tell that, you know, that they were – one of the kids was a little bit embarrassed about his family because his mom made a noise or something. And, and a little bit, he said, you'll have to excuse my family. And the dad was quick to say, he said, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. <laughs> so so we, have, <clears throat> we have our friends. We have our relatives. We have our, the, our associates. That's the people that we work with. We have our, so, and then we have our neighbors. That's the people that you never meet. Used to, we had, the, you know, there was a front porch mentality in our, in our neighborhoods. Everybody knew everybody on the street, and you'd come, and people would sit on the front porch, and they'd walk down the street, and, they'd, you know, everybody would talk. And now we have garage doors, and we pull into the garage, and we close the door and get out. And so, no, we don't ever have to talk to our neighbors. We don't ever have to talk to them. So, and, uh, but we have, we have our friends, we have our relatives, we have our associates, we have our neighbors, and then there's kid connections. I mean, there's there's people that your kids associate with, and then they, they, they have parents. And so um, that is your world, your friends, your relatives, your associates, neighbors, kid connects. That is your world. That, that, that's what your world consists of. And so I want to share something with you that the, that the Lord shared with me years ago, and it, and it really shocked me. I was driving north on Sidewell Road, and, and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard this, this loud voice like, no, I'm just, I'm just talking just, just real, just the still small inward voice just down the inside. I, I mean, I was minding my own business, and, and, and I heard the Lord say to me, he said, there are people you know that don't know me. There are people you know that don't know me, and, and I just kind of passed it off. <clears throat> and uh, a 
few seconds later, you know, because I guess he knew that I wasn't really paying attention, he said it again. He said, there are people you know that don't know me. And so I started thinking about that, where the people I know that don't know you, everybody I know goes to my church because that's the only people I'm ever around is the people in our church. And he said, again, there are people you know that don't know me. So I said, I, and I just said out loud, I said, so Lord, you're telling me there's people in my church that don't know you? And he said, yeah. There are people in your church that don't know me. You see, we, uh, in, in a lot of ways in, in the South, we're at a great advantage because people, uh, they tend to believe in God. Fewer, and f I mean, it, that, that trend is going down, but still right now in the Bible Belt, people, they have a tendency to believe in God. That's an advantage, but it can also be a, a disadvantage. Because we live in the religious South where people think if, they, if they're religious, if they believe in God, they're right with God. But you can believe in God and not belong to God. You realize that? You, you can believe in God. You can believe that God exists, but yet not belong to him. You can be religious. I mean, go to the church every time the doors open. You can be religious and not have a relationship with Christ. You, you can be in church and not be in Christ. You know, a few weeks ago, I was standing after Sunday morning service. I was standing out there outside, and just kind of greeting people as they were leaving. And this this young man walked. I mean, I think he was a first time visitor, maybe not, but um, he introduced himself. We were talking, and and I asked him about the service. He goes, "You like it?" And then I said, "You like it? Yeah, I like the service." I said, "Are you are you a believer? You're a Christian?" He said, "I'm a I'm a child of God." I said, "Oh yeah." And I just had this witness in my in my heart that he wasn't saved. But he thought he was. And, and uh, I just, just witnessed in my heart that he, he, he wasn't saved. So I said, you're a child of God. I said, how would you get to be a child of God? He said, well, we're all the children of God. I knew I had him right now. I, I got him now. He said, we're all the children of God. I said, I said, no, we're not all the children of God. He goes, we're all the children of God. I said, no, no, we're not all the children of God. We're all the creation of God. We're all God's creation, but we're not all his children. Jesus said, he, he spoke to some people, he said, he said, you're of your father, the devil. And so I quoted that scripture to him, you're of your father, the devil. I wasn't saying you of your father, the devil. I'm just saying what Jesus said, that you're of your father, the devil. I said, so we're not all the children of God. We're all, the God, we're all God's creation. And he just kind of looked at me funny, looked at me funny and said, the way that you get to be a child of God, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. You see, because you're in the wrong family. That's the reason you've got to be born again, because first time you was born into the wrong family. You've got to be reborn into the right family. You gotta, there's got to be a spiritual rebirth. And he looked at me and said, you want to do that? And he goes, yeah, I want to do it. So we prayed, and he gave his heart to Jesus right there. Um, but you see, there's a lot of people, they think just because they believe in God, they belong to God. They think just because they come to church and they're religious that they have a relationship. And so that's the disadvantage of living in the South. Uh, the great advantage is most people believe in God. The disadvantage is most people believe in God. <laughs> right? So just believing in God doesn't mean that you're right with God. 
Jesus said in James, not Jesus, James said in James chapter 2, he said, the demons believe in God. It's not just a matter of just believing that God exists. It, it's a hard thing. It's a relationship. It's, it's giving your heart to Christ. It's, it's following him. That's what matters. It's relationship. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So, I mean, for every single person in here at one time or another or today, he, he stood at the door and knocked, and he said, if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. So what he was saying, he said, if you, if you, can, if you can sense and, and you're aware that I'm knocking on the door of your heart, you have to open the door and let me in. And we'll, then this relationship will begin. You see, y'all, it's about relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a real relationship with a real God. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, when, when I got saved in Super Bowl Sunday, 1986, you know, because, you know, a lot of times people, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll tell you this story anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't wake up that day and, and thinking, you know what? I'm going to find Jesus today. Now, I'm thinking, I'm gonna, when I woke up, I'm going to find the Super Bowl party today. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to find the Super Bowl party, not find Jesus but Jesus found me at the Super Bowl party. Here's the awesome thing. Jesus can find you anywhere. He can find, he can find people anywhere you are if you're his representative. And so he had a representative at that Super Bowl party that day. And uh, I wasn't looking for him, but he was looking for me. And here's a great fact. Found people. If you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. I want you to notice this verse in uh, John, chapter, John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go into Galilee. He found Philip. Everybody say, Jesus found Philip. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. And then I want you to know, he said, come follow me. Now, when, when Jesus said to Peter, come follow me, he said, come follow me and I'll make you a fisherman. He's probably saying the same thing to Philip right here. Come follow me. And what's going to happen if, Peter, if Philip follows him? He's going to become a fisherman too. So I want you to notice how this immediately happens. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. And told him, so Jesus found Philip, but Philip found Nathaniel. Found people, find people. If we're following Jesus, he, what's he going to do? He's going to make us a fisherman. He's going to turn you into a fisherman. You go, there's going to be something that's birthed in. When you, when you find Jesus, when you come into a relationship with Christ, automatically there's something in you. You want somebody else to get what you have. You want somebody else to experience what you're experiencing. Now, you can cover that up, and you can water that down, and you can let it go by and not pay any attention to it, and you can lose that fire, and you can lose that passion. But when it all boils down to it, when you get back close to God, when you get close to Jesus, he's going to stir something in your heart for you to have this great desire to, for other people to have what you have. You want other people to receive the same life that you have. You want other people to be free just like you're free. You want other people to have a relationship with Christ just like you do. 
And here's the beautiful thing. That same invitation that Jesus gave to Peter, come follow me and I'll make you a fisherman, he extends to you and I today. Why? Because he's called you to be a world changer. He's called you to be a fisherman, not a keeper of the aquarium. He's called you to do something significant, not just go to work every day. Not just go to work. You know, there's y'all familiar with the word missionary, right? And we, we typically think missionaries are people who go to other foreign lands and, and, you know, and they preach the good news, that's a missionary. There's, there's, there's not a word in the, in the Bible, missionary, that word doesn't exist. Uh, the word that's closely associated with that word is the word apostle. And the word apostle has been blown out of proportion. It's got goofy and people think there's something because they're apostle. But all apostle means is a sent one. That's what an apostle is, a sent one, someone who's been sent. Someone who's been sent. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We're all sent ones. We're all on mission for God. We're all, we're all called to do something for God. We're all called to make a difference. Amen. And so, uh, <clears throat> so Jesus said, uh, he said, he, he, he found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. And with just these few people where Jesus found one and then they found the others, and just with a few people, they turned the world upside down. These weren't overly educated people. As a matter of fact, most of them weren't educated at all. They were fishermen. And so God can use anybody. He can use any age, right, to fish and make a difference in someone else's life, to, to rewrite the story of someone else's life. I don't know about you, that, that, that fires me up. So found people, find people. How many of you ever played the little game, I Spy? I Spy with my little eye, you know, maybe you do it on a road trip or something, and usually if we go on a road trip and we do it, used to, my kids, they, they'd play the game and they would I Spy, they would spy something that was two miles back. And so you, you can't win like that. The game could go on forever and ever. But the whole deal of the game, you know, you, you pick something that's in plain sight of everybody, and then people have to guess what it is you're looking at. I, I spy something green or whatever, and so they got to find something in the car or somewhere in the room that's, that's green. And here's the thing. What you're looking for is usually right in front of you. But in order to see it, you've got to be paying attention, right? You, you've got to, you really got to focus on, you've got to look, you've got to be meticulous, you've got to be detailed, you've got to really inspect it, you've got to really look at it in order to find what you're looking for. And it's the same in our life. In, in, in this sphere of influence that we have with our friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, kids' connections, there are people you know that don't know God, but the only way that you're going to identify them is you've got to look really closely. Everybody who says they're a believer is not a believer. Everybody who says they're a Christian is not really a Christian. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Jesus has said it like this, by their fruit you will know them. Good fruit means there's a good root. Bad fruit means there's a bad root. Y'all listening? So by, your, by their fruit you will know them. And so, I mean, if people... You know, I, the other day I was on Facebook and I saw somebody, well, they were ranting and raving about something and using all kind of foul language. And, and, uh, and then right at the end, they, you know, they, they, they said something like, better be glad I'm a Jesus-fearing person. And I'm going, whoa. 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> couple of the things in this little paragraph, they don't add up, right? So, uh, and I'm not saying that they weren't a, a Christian. They could have just been having a bad day because we can have bad days, right? And, uh, but eventually, uh, following Jesus and having a relationship with him, uh, we grow. And growing people change. If we're not changing, we're not growing. So how many of you know it's important to grow and to change? So, I want you to notice this. What you're looking for is usually right in front of you. So, in this sphere of influence, you got these people, and you got to, you got to look at you got to look at your friends, and you ought to be concerned about your friends. You ought to be concerned about your your relatives. Now, some folks they got relatives that aren't Christians because they claim to be. In other words, you have you might have some relatives that are not Christians because you claim to be a Christian. You're not living it. You need to live it, right? They need to see a change in you. So we need to take a look at these areas and these people in our life, and we need to, and here's the deal. God holds you and I personally responsible for those he's allowed to be in our life. If he's allowed these people to be in your life, he's going to hold you personally responsible to a measure for their salvation, why? Because you and I are on a mission for God. We are, on, we are to be on task for God. This, this life, this brief little life that you're living that, that the Word says is a vapor that's going to appear for a little time and then it's going to vanish away. I mean, this little life that's going to you know, last for 100 years or, or 90 years or 80 years, this, this life that we're living and, and we're, we're working every day to accumulate and get stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But this life that we're living one day is going to be gone, but eternity it remains. And you can do something eternally significant in this life if you wake up every day or most days and you just say, you know what, I am on a mission from God. And I'm going to this job I don't particularly like, but this is where I am. And right now I'm on a mission from God. And so I'm going to influence these people for Christ. Or I'm going to influence my family for Christ. Or I'm going to influence my friends for Christ. Or I'm going to influence my neighbors for Christ. But I'm not going to take this life for granted. I'm, I've only got this one life to live, and I'm going to make it count, not just for today, but I'm going to make it, account, make it count for eternity. And the only way that you can make your life count for eternity is to affect someone else's life. You're set. You're good. Right? I mean, you're, you're, you're home. you got your insurance card. Right? You're good. If you're saved, you got Jesus. You're going to heaven when you die. But if you really want to affect eternity, make sure you take someone else with you. Make sure you take somebody else with you. So, notice this scripture in John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus says, you look, as you look around right now, and just in your minds, I want you to look around. I, I want not the people in this room, but the people who are not in this room. Your friends, your relatives, folks you work with, your neighbors. I want you just, just in your mind's eye, just look around in this room. Not, not this room, just look around in your mind's eye. And Jesus says, you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it'll be time to harvest? He's talking to his disciples here. He says, I'm telling you right now, open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. 
These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. So this story comes from Jesus when he's at the well of Samaria. And he comes to draw water and there's a Samaritan woman there and she's drawing water and and the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't talk, you know, they, they were just, it just really, you know, race wars aren't, aren't anything new. I mean, this was a, this was a race war right here and, and they just didn't have any dealings with each other. And Jesus just came and he broke the ice. He said, Hey, can you give me some water? And she's like, what are you doing talking to me? Y'all not supposed to be talking to us. And, uh, and so anyway, Jesus asked for, for some water. And, and, but anyway, and long story short, he said, go call your husband. Go tell your husband to come here. And, and she said, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, I know you've had, you've had four or five. And the one that you're living with right now, he doesn't even belong to you. You know, just because you're living with somebody doesn't mean that you're married. And uh, said, so, well, God sees it that way. No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't see it that way at all. He said, go call your husband. I don't have one. He said, you've had five, and the one you're living with right now is not your own. She said, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> what, what, what gave it away, right? <clears throat> anyway, Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't condemn her. He told her, don't go and don't sin anymore. And then he, she wanted to go in and said, no, go, go back to your home. Tell them, what, tell them what good things the Lord's done for you. So she went back to her city, and she just began to tell everybody, I found the Messiah. I found the one that was promised. I found him. Really, he found her. And, uh, and so that's the context of this story. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, you say there's four months and then the harvest is coming, right? And they go, yeah. He said, lift up your eyes and look on these Samaritan fields. And he poured, pointed to that city there. And there's a stream of people coming to him. Because of what that woman went and told those people. Right? Found people. Find people. And she went and she found a whole bunch of people. And she brought them to Jesus. And they say, now we believe, not just because of your word, but we've heard him for ourselves. And that's what you and I, our job is to get people to a place where they can hear God themselves. We can partner. We can partner together. And so we can get people, we'll get people here and they can hear God from themselves. Amen. So how do we do this? Number one, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. And, uh, you know, the tendency for us is to come inward focus and we just kind of, we kind of just doze off and we're in our own little world and concerned about our own stuff. And, but we need to wake up to the condition of those who are far from God. We need to wake up to their condition. So what is the condition of those who are far from God? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that they are dead in their trespasses and their sins. They're dead. So it's not just that they're bad. It's not just that they, they've sinned. They're dead. They're dead in their trespasses and their sins. And spiritual death is separation from God. It means that you, 
you are separated from God's life, you're separated from God's influence, you're separated from God's goodness, you're separated from his favor, you're separated from his power, you're separated from God. That is not a good place to be. He also says that they are without hope and without God in this world. I don't know about you, I don't want to be without God in this world. This world's gone nuts, right? I don't want to be without God in this world. I don't want to be without hope in this world. And if you don't have God, you don't have hope. If you don't have God, you are hopeless. If you do have him, you are hopeful. So they're, they're, they're dead in their trespasses and their sins. They're without hope and they're without God. They're lost. They're not lost geographically. They're lost relationally. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't have a relationship with God. And that is our job as a church. I mean, we, we, want, we want to see four things happen. We want, to, we want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover their purpose. And we want people to make a difference. The first one's know God, though. Not just know about God, but have a relationship with him. Have a relationship with Christ. So we need, we need to wake up. Number two. We need to look up. Everybody say, look up. In John 4, 35, Jesus said, he said, lift up your eyes. The, the New Living Translation says, wake up. Or look up, wake up. He, and, and so we, we, got, we got to look up. We got to look up. I mean, we, you see, we, can't, we, can't, we just can't be inwardly focused. We got to be outwardly focused. We got to begin to look around. Which of my friends, which of my relatives, who, who are the ones that I know that don't know him? You say, well, Pastor Chuck, I don't want to be judgmental. Well, don't be judgmental then. But you can look. You can know them by their fruits. You can have a witness in your heart, just like I had a witness in my heart with that young man out there. You can have a, a witness in your heart if they're saved or not. I was at McDonald's one day, and there was this man named John. He was, he was, uh, he was at the drink fountain there at McDonald's. This has been years ago, and so I just had this, I, I just had this prompting on the inside. Just, just tell him, just tell him that I love him. And I knew his name was John because he had on this shirt had John on there, <laughs> had a name tag. And so I walked over to the soda machine and I said, hey, John, I just, just want to let you know Jesus loves you. I know it. I sing in the choir every Sunday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I said, you know, I, somebody tells me that, hey, Jesus loves me. I'm going, oh, yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? He loves, I'm not going to get all irritated with him. John's a dead giveaway. He had religion. He didn't have a relationship. So right there in McDonald's, I talked to him about the love of Christ. I talked to him about it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's not about being in church. It's about being in Christ. It's not just about believing in God. It's about belonging to the family of God. It's not just... You're not, it's not just growing up in church. It's, it's about having your own personal relationship with Christ. And so right there in McDonald's, see, it doesn't take much. Right there in McDonald's, just led John to Christ. 
right there in McDonald's. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be fanfare. I didn't even have to do that. I could have said, hey, John, won't you just come to church with me next Sunday? But now John gets saved. He goes back to his church and he sings in the choir that he was singing in when he wasn't saved. Probably made a difference, <laughs> right? So we, we need to look up. Jesus, you know, in, in, in Luke 14, he gave us this, this beautiful picture of how distracted God is with lost people. He, he, he gave us this, this parable of the, of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Y'all remember reading those? And this lady, she had 10 coins. She lost one. She searched the house, swept it until she found the one coin that was lost. The man, he had 100 sheep. One went astray. He left the 99, and he went and found the one. The man had two sons. One went off, and he lived a sinful life. And uh, he, he had one son at home, safe and at home. But he was on his watch day and night looking for the one that was lost. Why? Because God is distracted by lost people. He's more interested in lost people than he is found people. Not that he's not interested. He just said, everything I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. If you're found, everything that he has is yours. But there's something that he doesn't have. He doesn't have that one more lost people. One of those people who's your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, your neighbors. He doesn't have them, and he wants them. Well, we're, a family was on vacation a few years ago in, in Savannah, Georgia. We were at a water park, and Sydney and I, we went, to, we went to go stand in line. There's thousands of people there. We went to stand in line at this water park, and we're going to go down this slide, and and Luke was going to stay with Tammy. And, and so last, last second, Luke decided to go with us. And Tammy didn't know Luke was going with us. And so we walked off and we went to the slide. And it was so big. We had to stand in line for an hour. There was just thousands of people. And, and I didn't know this, but Tammy, a few minutes later, she realized Luke's not with her. He's not where he's supposed to be. So she's searching the park. She has her cousin searching the park. Before long, they, I mean, they're looking for us. They can't find me in Sydney. And, and before long, I mean, they're, they're telling the employees there, look for this kid. They put people at the gates. They're not letting kids out of the gate without their, their parents. And they're shutting down the wave pool, and they're getting people out of the way. I mean, they're looking for Luke everywhere. I'm oblivious to this. I, I have no idea this is going on. We're gone for an hour. And so we, we start walking back. You know, and Tammy's, Tammy's thinking was not, well, Luke's lost, but that's okay. I still have Sydney. I know Sydney's okay. That's not what she's thinking. She's not thinking too much about Sydney right now. You know what she's thinking about? She's not thinking about what's found and safe. She's thinking about what is lost and that she can't find. And so she's on a search. And I tell you what, if anybody, if anybody were across their path and they were just this nonchalant about it, if, I mean, if her cousin said, oh, I'm going to just sit here, you look for me, I'm going to just stay here. No, she's going she's to be like Mama Bear and get up in their face. And if these park employees don't respond to her when she's, at, when she's got tears going down her eyes and her face and say, I can't find my son, and if they just kind of play it off, I mean, they're going to have some trouble. I've seen her when she getting, no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> And so we could, after an hour, we come walking back, 
And uh, I see Tammy, she's got tears coming down her face. I got, I got Sydney and Luke with me. But when I'm walking back, I see these park employees that are on these radios, some blue shorts, and they're like, I'm, I'm noticing these people are staring at me. These employees are, are staring at me. I'm walking there, and every time I walk by, they're, they're talking into the radio, and they're just looking at me, walk by. Um, and I said, that's weird. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, hold on, that, that's kind of weird. And I see her crying. I'm going, man, what in the world is going on? I see her crying, and then she tells me the story. Here's the thing. God is that distracted more about lost people. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he sent us on that same mission to seek and save the lost. So while we can enjoy our church services, we can enjoy our music, and we can enjoy our, the riches of God and the richness of the world, word of God, if it doesn't translate in, into us reaching lost people, we're not following. Amen. We're not following if it doesn't translate in us to reaping the harvest. Everybody say found people, find people. And then number three, we need to rise up. It's just time to rise up. So in the next few weeks, you know, this, this, is, this is what I'll do. You see five blanks down there, number one through five, and it says, who's on your list? So there are people you know that don't know God. And I just want you to think about it. You don't have to write these names down right now, but in the next day or two, write some names down. These are the people I know that don't know Christ. And these are the names that next week you're going to transfer to this cross up here. We're going to have some cards. You're going to write their names down, and you're going to put them on the cross. And we're going to believe God together. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe God together. And the Easter Sunday, you're going to invite these people to come to church with you Easter Sunday. And guess what? God's going to find them. They, they, their, their life is going to be transformed. They're going to be changed. And guess what? You're going to have a part to play in that. You're going to have a part to play. Amen? So let's rise up. Let's just don't sit back and let's don't, be a, let's don't be a spectator and let's don't have this diffusion of responsibility that somebody else would do it. You do it. They're your friends. They're your family. They're your relatives, right? They're your coworkers. They're your neighbors. So let's all take responsibility and let's do it. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we magnify you. We give you praise. Lord, I thank you that you stir our hearts to be on mission for you. You stir our hearts to to reach the lost people in our world, in our sphere of influence, that you motivate us, that you inspire us in Jesus' name. Father, I realize that there may be people in this room today that don't know you. They know about you. They've heard about you. They believe that you exist, but they're not in relationship with you. I ask that you would speak to their heart. Just draw them right now by your Holy Spirit. Lord, there may be people here, they've gone to church all their life. They've gone to church, they have grew up in church, but they're not right with you. I ask that you would just draw them to yourself. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to make sure that everyone in here is right with God. And I don't want to assume that you are because you came to church today. So let me ask you this. Do you have 100% confidence that if you were to walk out of this room today and suddenly you, you died, and would, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Are you confident that you would go to heaven? If not, you can be. And it's not based upon you doing good or being better or making promises. Or it's, just, it's based completely upon you giving your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus.
He said, I stand at the door and knock. So if he's, just, if he's knocking on the door of your heart this morning, you say, how will I know if he's doing that? Because on the inside, you just know. I mean, your heart's beating. You just know on the inside he is dealing with you to take this step. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but just right there in your seat, just with an uplifted hand, you can just lift your hand and I can pray for you. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, you just lift your hand and we'll pray for you. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Anyone else? I'm looking across the room. Anyone else? Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Everybody, out loud from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he took my sin and he died on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again so that I could have new life. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. Come into my heart and change me forever. I give you my all. I give you my whole life. And I ask that you use me to reach people in my life. Amen. Church, let's give these a big hand, all right?